but I just try to show people like it's literally cheaper for me to travel full time around the world, do whatever I want than for me to even pay rent basically in the US. So like if you can make money online, there's no reason you should be in the US is my opinion. And I ended up meeting someone actually a connection through social media who happened to have an 8,000 square foot warehouse that was totally empty and we could rent for free. And he wanted to partner up with me for the book thing. And so from then on, instead of going to the warehouse, we started getting about 38,000 pounds of books on an entire truckload every week that we would sort through at the warehouse. What is going on, nomads and entrepreneurs? I hope you're well and healthy. This is another episode of the Nomad Entrepreneur Podcast. And I want to welcome you wholeheartedly to this episode. It's the 22nd one, I believe. Uh, yes, it is. Um, it's nice to see things progress nicely when you give it a time it deserves, you know. But anyway, on this episode, I had a conversation with Ben Hashkovitz from Ben Books the World. Ben is a traveler through and through, but also an inspiring individual who, through his entrepreneur ventures, has been able to create a life for himself that most people can only dream of. And guess what? Ben only celebrated his 22nd birthday just a few days ago. So if you're listening to this, Ben, happy birthday to you, my man. Keep doing what you're doing, and you're inspiring so many people. And I believe your story is going to change a lot of lives, no doubt. But in this conversation, we talked about these early days as a traveler and now as a teenager, uh, what led him to wanting to explore the world more. We also talked about how he got into entrepreneurship through e-commerce, you know, the tr- struggles that he had to face, and of course, the hustle. I love this part. The things that he had to do to get his business off the ground, which many people would have given up, but he persevered and built a company by selling everyday items on Amazon, providing jobs for a lot of people through the pandemic. And then coming to the realization that working hard and generating a sizable income, especially at a young age, should only mean one thing, to be free, to explore, and to spread positivity. Well, maybe three things. <laughs> but Ben has been able to do that by going on epic adventures across Africa, Europe, and next to Asia. We'll talk about everything that is witnessed and all of the experiences that he's had in this episode. Ben talks about travel to hacking, credit card points, and reward programs, but let me not spoil it for you, okay? So this conversation was particularly inspiring for me, and I'm certain it will be for you too. So grab a snack, have a listen, and enjoy it. But before you do, I will have to cue the intro. So I'll catch you on the flip side. Welcome to Nomad Entrepreneur, the podcast for digital nomads and remote working entrepreneurs who are living life on their own terms. I'm your host and fellow nomad, Daniel Falunikbe, and I'm excited to bring you conversations with inspiring individuals who are building businesses from anywhere in the world. Each episode will dive into their stories, tips, and strategies for creating a successful and fulfilling location-independent lifestyles. So grab your headphones, kick back, and join me as I explore the freedom and adventure of the nomadic life. Let's get started. All right, cool, 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 man. Uh, good to good to finally finally see you. It's uh, I've been I've been following your your Instagram, um, you know, adventures, everything. I I see in one of your. <laughs> In one of your videos, you were getting absolutely roasted, man. Oh <laughs> yeah, saying, Bloom are you, are you Fontaine. My... Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was, I was hyped about that video because it's been blowing up. I, like I've gotten almost 300, 300 followers. Wow. From it I, and and I, and I almost didn't hear it until I went into the comment, and someone was like, "Can you realize how many times you said Bloom Fontaine?" And I went back into the video, and was like, "Okay." <laughs> that is a lot of blue yeah. content. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it either. And then I started and then I checked too and I was like, oh wow. Yeah. I, like I repeated that it so is much. that is the internet, man. They just like you just you know would pick out the most obscure thing out of out of your videos. How's it how's it going, man? How's your how's your travels been? Oh, it's been absolutely amazing. I mean, 
this year has been pretty intense. Like I haven't really spent more than, I don't think I've slept in the same bed for more than a week. Wow. At once this year so far. Um, and in the last two years also mainly. Uh, so it's been pretty intense and fast traveling, but it's been absolutely amazing. Um, I mean, I started this year off with Venezuela to wow. like really go Venezuela. into it. And, How did you get a visa for that? Yeah. I mean, um, I have a German, I have a German passport. Oh, so for EU citizens, um, it's visa free. Oh, that's 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 interesting because I mean I know it's uh it's a bit of a hassle for for Americans to go down there, you know, being an adversary. I think. Yeah, it's definitely a, a pain to get a visa as an American. Um, there's ways to do it now from Panama City, I think, but it's still like a whole month process at least. Ah, that's. And with the EU one, we literally just walked across the border wow. and put it in that day. We still have to pay a bribe at the border, but we made really? it. Really? <laughs> I was I was Venezuela. I hear it's a, it's a really beautiful country, barring every uh, oh. thing else that's going on down there. Yeah, it is unbelievably beautiful. Uh, we crossed the border from Cucuta in Colombia mm. and then made our way north up to Medida, um, which is like a super cool mountain type town. They have the tallest and longest cable car in the world actually wow. there. Um, yeah, it goes up to 4,600 meters, I believe it is. Wow. Um, so like super high up there. Um, and that was really cool. People are super nice. We stayed with a local family, um, and we also took a trip out to Margarita Island, wow. <laughs> um, which was also interesting. Um, really beautiful island, and just taking a flight within the country was interesting. Interesting, man. Um, but yeah, no, I can't wait to go back to Venezuela. Wow, and explore more. That's 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 beautiful, man. I mean, I hear there's you know so much going on, especially with the economy. Uh, did you find? Here, there to be like any security concern because I know a lot of people talk about not going to Venezuela, you know, being a you know dangerous country whatsoever. But I know a lot of this, you know, a lot of it is perpetrated by the media. But what what was your experience like in terms of uh, security down there, especially as uh, someone from a Western country? Yeah, I mean, as far as my experience, especially in Medida, it is super safe. Like we were walking around by ourselves with like on dark roads at night wow. at one in the morning and had absolutely no concern. Like we were just walking the dog um, and the family who we were staying with, she was like, yeah, I come out here every night back in 2019, 2020, she got robbed at gunpoint a couple times wow. doing that. But she says now in 2023, she feels super safe and has no concerns uh, walking around at night. Wow, would you And I like, I don't know about the other parts of Venezuela. I only went to, like Medida and uh, Margarita Island, but from the places that I went to, I felt totally safe. Well, that's that's interesting to hear. I mean, would you say that, you know, this is a little bit over-exaggerated by the media in any way in terms of, like, safety and just about uh, the ease of traveling within Venezuela itself? Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's actually a guy, his name's Where is Noah on Instagram, Um He's also American Japanese, and he ended up spending three and a half months. Actually, no, I think it was six months in Venezuela, totally by himself, and barely spoke Spanish. What? And he went all around <laughs> the country with absolutely no issues at all. Wow, that is that is awesome. Yeah, but tell me a little bit about you know your background. Let's go back a little bit to uh, before travel. What was you know your life like, and how did you get into this life of travel, you know, nonstop. I mean, tell me everything. Yeah. So, I mean, my travels started off when I was really young. So my mom's from Germany. She is, uh, grew up in Bavaria. Um, and so from being two, three years old, we were always going to Germany in the summer to visit for mm. three or four weeks to see my grandparents and uncle and stuff. And Doing that got me opened up to other cultures and just travel in general at a very young age. Um, and in seventh grade, I actually went to school in Germany for an entire year. Um, I was there wow. for six months with my dad at, at 13 years old. 
And then he left after six months and I wanted to stay for the whole year. So basically <laughs> my parents were like, you can, you can figure it out. And so I talked to kids in my class and asked if I could live with them. And so the last six months I stayed with six different families Wow! <laughs> um, and finished the year. And yeah, ever since that, I was just so excited to travel, but um, I didn't really get to for a while. So I went back to the US, I was in high school um, I did triathlon for a little while and then um, I got a bunch of concussions and that's what, what kind of turned me into doing business. Um, yeah, so I got six concussions in about a two and a half year period in high school where I could like barely go to school, like couldn't exercise anymore, couldn't really do anything wow. to be honest. So, 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 what, was the, so what was the source or the cause of that concussion? Were you playing like contact sport or anything like that? Um, so the first one that was really bad came from skiing. Um, I went off a jump weirdly and just landed oh. on my head. Um, and then about a month after that one, I got another one that was really bad from AAU basketball. Wow. Um, and after those two, I had really bad post-concussion syndrome, which meant like I continued to have the symptoms of concussions, even though it had been longer after. And so after that, I just kept getting really easily concussed cussed like whether it was just from like falling by bumping into someone in gym class wow. hitting my head on my car like bumping my head on a shelf um and those effects kind of last for almost three years until i was fully like better and not having like swelling mm. on my head or just weird things anymore um so like right before that first concussion happened actually i had just gotten third place at the national championships for half ironman in miami wow. um and so that was like my peak fitness and then like not even two months later was when the concussion started so basically for two and a half three years i didn't really exercise much anymore and like exercise was my life before that and just like sports and stuff. Mm. And so I started working a lot at a local pizza restaurant um, and started learning more about finance and money and all of that stuff. Because at that point I didn't feel like I had the brain capacity to go to college because mm. just like with all the concussions and just not wanting to be in a classroom setting. Um, and that's where I stumbled across Amazon, which is my like business, right? Like, is my business. Yeah, I was going to go into that. <clears throat> um, and I started that with a friend and I was 17 then. Um, and I just kept going with that. Uh, I was selling used books. Um, so I was going to book sales all around New England in the US um, and getting as many profitable books as I could. To sell on Amazon. Wow. So, so let's let's well. let's let's unpack a few yeah, things. Yeah. Let's unpack a few things. Um, of course. Yeah. I mean, thanks for you know sharing all of that. Uh, I I just you know want to, I mean before you go into you know the business aspect of things, which is you know super super interesting, and you know excited to talk about. Um, you went to Germany with your parents. They asked you to you know they wanted to come back to the US, but you were not ready. And you basically just, you know, went around your classroom asking students, can I stay with you for a few months? I mean, that must have taken a lot of courage. How old were you then? I was 13 or 14. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what age I was. Right. I mean, and in, in Germany, I can, I mean, I don't know what, you know, the culture is like there. I mean, was it easy to get people to just say, yes, oh yeah, come, come, come live with us, you know, as a total stranger, that's totally fine. Yeah, people were actually pretty open about it. Um, like I had a couple of good friends and they talked to their parents and the parents were all pretty open to like having me there. Um, and yeah, each family was a totally different experience because mm. they all lived so differently. Um, so that was interesting to kind of, I guess, live with the different families right. and go with what their routines are like wow. instead of what I'm used to yeah. maybe at home. Yeah, interesting. I mean, you uh, seem like you've been, you know, used to being on the road and being having this adventure kind of mindset for a very long time. And, you know, now let's fast forward back to now you're in college. I mean, now you're, you know, doing all these things with, you know, sport and whatnot and, you know, concussions set in and you couldn't do that anymore. And that forced you to go a different route which is which is business would you say that i mean looking back now i mean i know it's still pretty early in the conversation but i just wanted to get this out the way 
do you think that going that route or having that unfortunate event, you know, of, you know, concussion and leading you a different route was a blessing or, or otherwise maybe a curse in, in, in disguise? Yeah. I mean, I'm incredibly grateful for it. And throughout my whole life so far, like, even though I'm still quite young, um, all the worst things that have happened have like changed something to lead into like one of the best things. And yeah, without the concussions, I wouldn't be doing the things that I am now. So, I mean, everything happens for a reason. And that's like one of my biggest like life motive motives. So yeah, I'm that's... very grateful that something like, even though it sucked, I'm grateful it happened because I wouldn't be where I am now without right. it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's awesome to hear. And how are you feeling now? I mean, do you still have those episodes or is it all good now? Um, no, the last two three years now or so have been pretty fine. Um, my body definitely still lets me know if I'm going too hard. Like I definitely have some days where my brain is just like in rough shape mm. and I just wake up feeling not good at all. And same when I get sick, like if I get sick, it's not my body or like normal sick symptoms. It just like all goes to my head and it feels like I have a concussion again. Wow. Um, cause that's still, I think my weakest link. Um, but overall, like I'm fine now. Right. And it's, actually a good sign that my body tells me sometimes if I'm overdoing yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's really good to hear. I mean, now, I mean, at least you're back on the road and, you know, having all those incredible adventures. Now, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about, yeah. you know, your background with business. Obviously, you're on the road for a long time. A lot of people who listen to this or, you know, that watches or listens to my content, this is something they aspire to do. And a lot of people just can't figure it out. Like, how do I even make money enough to, you know, travel full time and whatnot? Tell me about your beginnings in business and, you know, how all that came together. What was your first initial foray into the business world? Like, what did you do? Like, step one, step two, and how did you get it so... Uh, good that it, you're now able to, you know, to do all this, but we can, we can start from, you know, from that humble beginnings. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, um, I was in entrepreneurship class actually in my junior year of high school. And one of my friends who I knew really well from when I was younger, but we hadn't really connected as much anymore. We were in the same class and he'd actually been reselling for a bit. And so like, flipping supreme items and buying stuff from thrift stores and selling them on ebay and doing stuff like that um and that really intrigued me so i talked to him about it and he was willing to teach me and from there i went to i started going to garage sales and to thrift stores just looking for things that i could buy for cheap and then sell for more on ebay and so for the next, I think a couple of months, I was just doing that and started to find some good uh, flips. And I was just going to garage sales all the time. And it was really fun. I would just get up early, <laughs> like 6, 7 a.m. on a Saturday, wow. go out, go to all the garage sales, and then come back with a ton of video games and like video game consoles and random stuff, which my mom would always be not super happy about. But um, <laughs> And they would start selling. And... Uh, yeah, it was doing really well. And at the same time, we learned about Amazon through a YouTube video from Reezy Resells. He's a big, he used to be a really big uh, advocate for teaching mm. Amazon uh, for beginners and all that kind of stuff. And so we learned about selling used books, which back then was the easiest way to get started selling on Amazon because they were cheap to get used books. And you didn't have to have any sort of account history. It wow. was the one thing that you were able to sell instantly when you opened an Amazon account. And so we just started to go to library sales and we basically had a Bluetooth scanner and this app called Scout IQ mm. and they would connect. And if you scan the barcode of a book, it would tell you how much profit you would make off that book and how often that book sells. Wow. And so we would just fly through library sales, trying to find as many profitable books as possible. And then we started selling them on Amazon. And that was kind of like the first start. Wow. So how much did you, were you able to make initially? I mean, I don't imagine it was a lot of money or maybe if it was, uh, how much were you able to gather in? How long, how long did you do this for before you made, you know, any significant amount of money that, you know, really just amounted to anything? Yeah, I mean, the first year, 
Um, mostly was just like getting experience. And with Amazon, it's definitely tough to make profit at the start because you kind of have to build up a lot of inventory to start getting like consistent sales. And then you're also spending a lot of money on getting more inventory. So for a while, it's just kind of like getting a, getting cash flow. Right. And so that took me a while. Um, but the margins were really high too. So there was definitely profit to be made. Um, I think in the first year I maybe made like five or 10 grand in profit flipping like, uh, eBay to am or like eBay stuff from thrift stores and like books and whatever. Um, but a lot of that came in like the end of the year, like October, November, December, because I started driving all around new England. Um, once my friend left for college and just doing it on my own. And I found this, uh, goodwill in maine and they started letting me buy books in bulk so they would let me buy like a 600 pound crate of donated books for about ten dollars and i would just go through them with my scanner um in the back of the warehouse and once i found that i was like wow this is a gold mine so i ended up driving after school on fridays i would drive four hours to maine from vermont which is where I'm from Vermont originally, so I'd drive four hours to Maine, then spend the entire weekend, like 12-hour days, um, <laughs> scanning through the books, fill up my car with like six to 800 books that were like profitable, which was not good for my car at all, and then drive four <laughs> hours on like Sunday night wow. um, for the week, and then like list them, ship them off to Amazon, because with Amazon FBA, which is what I do, okay. Amazon stores all your products so you don't have to store them yourself you just have to list them and prep them and then ship them to amazon and when a customer buys them amazon ships it to the customer from their warehouse and so yeah once i started doing that um the volume went up a ton and i think i had a couple of like five grand profit months from that wow um and then that was right before uh covid started and then the warehouse shut down so that kind of sucked Wow, that is such an incredible story, man. I mean, doing, I mean, that was the real hustle. I mean, driving four hours one way, picking up books, counting them. I can't imagine it must have been easy at all. I mean, were there days where you felt like, you know, what the hell am I doing? But I guess you already, you know, saw how profitable it could be too. So that must have kept you going a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. And I was just like, definitely in my hustle phase. Like I would say (laughs) right now, I'm not really. But back then I was like, I had like, I wasn't in the travel phase yet. I was just like, whatever I got to do. And so I had no problem just spending all day scanning books and really enjoyed it. Um, And in a sense, I guess that was my travel because I was still getting to go to a new place every Mm -hmm. weekend and just like hang out. Um, And I was actually couch surfing while I was going to Maine on these weekends. Um, So I was staying for free with um, this couple that I met through couch surfing. Um, They literally, I I stayed with them one weekend and then they were like, hey, we have a guest room. So if you keep coming back every weekend, you can just stay in the guest room. So (laughs) then I had a free place to stay for the rest of the time I was doing that. Um, And yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I never really like, felt like too much and i would usually actually bring a friend with me too right who would drive down on the weekend and i would just pay them to help scan books with me um and it usually worked out because whatever i paid them which was good pay for them but i would also get all these like random video games and dvds and stuff and there was a store in town that would give me cash for all that stuff so at the end of the weekend, I'll just bring all the stuff there. And usually they'd give me enough cash to like pay for whatever friend I brought down. Wow. <laughs> that is such a, I mean, that's such an interesting story. And I love couch surfing a lot. I actually just started getting into the hangout, you know, feature of couch surfing. And I've, I've met a lot of incredible people on couch surfing over the last couple of months, which, which is incredible. So now you are scanning all these products, you're making some money and, you know, COVID obviously came, you know, things shut down. What was your reaction at that point? How did you pivot? Were you able to get the business going? And what did you, what did you do from that, from that point on? Yeah. So what actually happened? So at first I was pretty bummed about the warehouse closing and not being able to go there anymore. Um, and I didn't really do much the first month of COVID. I was just going to work at the pizza restaurant because in Vermont, nothing really closed. I mean, like 
it was pretty limited to that stuff. Mm. And then um, what happened actually was um, there was a ton of reselling opportunities because people were not going out and getting stuff. And so there was something going on with the, uh, what was it? The Xbox, I think, no, that was later. No, what I ended up doing is uh, I ended up doing Instacart, um, which is this service where you go and get groceries for people. Oh, I did Instacart during and, COVID too. It was it was really tough. Oh yeah, I made <laughs> I made 15, 15 grand in three months. What? And I was all day every day on Instacart because Vermont was the gold mine of Instacart. Really? There how was only how three was that? Super- so there was only three supermarkets, so you could get to know them really really oh. well. You never had to drive very far. And people are super wealthy in that area of Vermont. I see. And nobody wanted to go outside. So the tips I was getting on orders were ridiculous. Wow. Like I would get like a $100 order and then I'd get there and they'd give me like $60 in tips on what? top of it. Like it was absurd. Wow. That is that is awesome. I mean, I, I made a few hundred bucks in the first month and, you know, it was just brutal get going into the stores especially the bigger stores and just trying to you know pick things out and trying to you know walk around the stores i did not enjoy it at all <laughs> i didn't enjoy it um so okay let's uh let's keep going um so now covid came you know you made money on instacart and you know you're working at, i mean i mean at this at this business store at what point did you um, you know, get back into, you know, the entrepreneurship game and how did travel get into the picture at all? I mean, of course you have traveled in the past. Was that, was that still something that stayed on your, I mean, at the back of your mind or you no, know, was it something that you just, you know, decided to start doing again after COVID? Yeah. So there was a lot of these random like reselling opportunities while I was doing Instacart too. Like I was able to like flip Nintendo switches online that I was getting for like 300 bucks people were paying like $600 for them. I was there was all these like random things that were really profitable to sell during the start of COVID because all these video game prices went up like crazy since people were all staying indoors. Right. Um, so I was doing that stuff. I was also doing the Instacart and then I was also working at the pizza place. And then when spring came around, this was also my senior year of high school, so like right when COVID started, mm. um they canceled school for the well school went online for the rest of the year but i never actually opened my school email again after that and they still gave me my diploma wow um so that's funny <laughs> uh but yeah in uh in june when the actual graduation was happening um i moved to maine to continue doing this book stuff and with the hope of the warehouse opening up again mm. and i ended up staying the first three months with the couch surfing people because i couldn't find an apartment because right. i had no rental history or really not much of a proof of income yet either and i ended up meeting someone actually a connection through social media who happened to have an eight thousand square foot warehouse that was totally empty and we could rent for free and he wanted to partner up with me for the book thing and so from then on, instead of going to the warehouse, we started getting about uh, 38,000 pounds of books on an entire truckload what? every week that we would sort through at the warehouse. Um, I mean, hold on one second. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that is that is insane. You said 38,000 pounds of books. Where were these books coming from? They were all coming from the Goodwill where I was scanning books at before. Yeah. So it's it was the Goodwill Center for all of New England. Wow! And so they generally, they gener- so the the these six hundred pound crates of books are called Gaylords, and they would generally have like three to four hundred of them at a time in their warehouse, and a truckload would be about fifty two of them. What? So there was no shortage of books to buy. It was just figuring out the processes of dealing with all these books and recycling and sorting through them and listing and doing all this stuff. So yeah, we started buying truckloads. We had a forklift, which was still my favorite thing of the operation. That's like a whole operation, man. It was, we, we did that over a year and we ended up having five employees at the top point. We had two people that were in the listing room. Um, We had three people that were scanning all day 
Um, I like I even had two of my friends come and join me in Maine. I told them they could because uh, I ended up getting an apartment right. for the year. Um, and I told my friends that if they want to come work, if, if they come work for me, they can stay at the apartment for free. <laughs> and for a lot of them, they like didn't really have money yet. Right. And uh, they also get out of their house. <laughs> so it's a great opportunity for them. And it got us an employee. And were you paying like salaries and, and, and whatnot? And you had yeah. to navigate through all the normal employee yeah. laws and things of that nature. Yeah, I did payroll. I did all the wow. self-employment tax. I did all that stuff, and it it was it was like this this entire Hold year. On. How old are you, man? Book I'm I'm about to turn twenty two. Wow, <laughs> doing this. So all of this was in the last five years, pretty much. Yeah, I was eighteen when I when we were doing the book operation. That is awesome, man. Sorry, keep going. I, I just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was really helpful to have like my friend that like. Um, was doing the warehouse with me too because he'd run a couple of really successful businesses too he's 30 i don't know he's in his mid-30s um but he's super super smart mm. and so he was able to help out with a lot of this stuff too and so it's really helpful to learn from him um and just to get all this like this one year of doing the book operation was like four years of college wow. as far as business knowledge goes. i can imagine and i mean i didn't go to college so this was like a much better yeah and cheaper of yeah, it. <laughs> absolutely. Imagine going to college, you know, to study uh, business, for example. I mean, what can you be taught in college in four years that can amount to everything that you've done in one year? You know, running payroll, hiring people, uh, selling, you know, volumes and volumes of, you know, stock on Amazon. That's that to me, I think, is worth more than any, uh, you know, any four year college degree that anyone can ever you know, can ever obtain. So you did this for a year and how, why, or if you did stop, what was the decision behind that? And uh, how, how, how did you transition from that? Yeah. So we did it for about, I think it was about a year and a half or so. Um, and as the COVID stuff loosened up, I basically hadn't had like a single day off or week off since like learning about business stuff when I was like 17. Wow. And I think I was around 19 now. Um, so I've been like hustling really hard. And so I actually went and took like, uh, a road trip, like, a two, uh, ended up being a three month road trip around the U S, um, doing trusted house sitters, which mm -hmm. gives you free, rent, um, taking care of people's pets. Um, and you get to live in like mansions basically in exchange for taking care of like a cat or something. Um, and then I was also like doing free hotel stays with all my points. Cause that was like something I was really good at. Um, and also sleeping in my car cause I had like a bed in it. Um, but yeah, I did that for around three months and that was like by far the happiest I'd mm -hmm. been. And so I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to like be in a warehouse all day in Maine anymore. <laughs> um, so when I got back, the business was also kind of getting pushed out a bit by Amazon. They just didn't want long tail items anymore mm. like they could make much more money from something that sells a lot more often right. than a book that sits there for one to three months before it sells um so all of this stuff was pointing towards not really doing bulk books anymore and it wasn't super profitable like it just wasn't worth it anymore so when i got back we kind of closed up the warehouse um and i was still in maine for another three or four months because um, then I made the shift to a new business model called online arbitrage, which was still selling on Amazon. Mm. But now I was going to be able to do it 100% remote um, because basically it's buying stuff off of sites like Kohl's, Dick Sporting Goods, Nike with coupons and discounts um, that you can sell for a profit. So, for example, like buying like Nike sweatpants right. and they're 25% off, you can get them for $15 and they're selling on Amazon for 50 wow. you make like $15 in profit after and basically what we were doing is buying the items and I had a prep center in Montana which is a sales tax free state wow. um, and a prep center means that you ship all your inventory to them mm. and they do the listing process and the shipping the items off to Amazon for you and they charge you like a dollar fifty per item fee. Wow! But it's cheaper for them to do everything for you than for you to do it yourself in Maine because of the eight percent sales tax. I see. So, 
then I just started using a prep center. And then after a couple months of doing that, I was like, all right, I don't need to be in Maine anymore. Like this is all done for my computer. Um, and I went back home to Vermont and moved out of my apartment because I was so done with that lease. <laughs> um, and yeah, I went back home for Christmas. Basically, I built out my car with a bed and like cooking supplies and everything, put my skis in it and then spent the next four months driving around the US skiing in like all over um, while doing the business, doing the business. And from there, that was when the travel wow. started going because I was like, this is what I want to be doing. I mean, look, man, at 22, you have such uh, such a such an incredible story, man. And it's super inspiring, you know, inspiring to hear, especially for, you know, younger folks, you know, listening to this. I mean, you don't have to be, you don't have to have a ton of experience to be able to do those things. I tell people all the time, you just need to have the courage to go out there and just, you know, just 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 stick you know stick with it and now you i mean i i don't even know how much to unpack there i, I mean when i connected with you i knew there was something about you that i you know really wanted to listen to you didn't tell me it was this interesting you know <laughs> and i feel like you know you you need to uh, you, you know put you i mean Put your story out there more and you know more people need to need to hear about all of this stuff that you you know that you're telling me right now i think it's really going to be inspiring to a lot of people so you started traveling all over the world you're recently in uh south africa you recently traveled around africa tell me about that experience how was that oh it was absolutely incredible so my stories and stuff on instagram and uh tiktok are really behind like two months behind wow. basically because i'm behind on editing yeah because um, I, yeah, I i saw one they, of your uh you know stories and you say now we are traveling by bus through south africa and i'm like no you're 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 in germany you're not in south africa what's what's going on <laughs> yeah basically what happened is the internet is not very good in uh basically all of the parts of africa that i was in <laughs> so i just I gave up on editing and i was like when i get back to europe right. i'll just start editing this journey um, so yeah, I'm posting it in order on Instagram and TikTok. Got it. Um, because I really want, like, it was such a crazy adventure that I want to make sure that I'm really like going into depth on storytelling, right? And like travel content and like sharing my travels and also how other people can travel is kind of like my main goal. Like I used to share a lot about like the Amazon business side and like my story from that side of things. Um, but nowadays, like, I really want to share how like anyone can travel, even if you don't have an online job, even if you're not making money, mm -hmm. like anyone can do this. And that's like my main goal nowadays, because travel is what I really love. So I want to really show those adventures right. and also that anyone can do it. And that it's more fun for me to create content about that than it was to do to the, business, do the stuff. business stuff. I, I love, I love doing the credit card points and free hotel stuff. Like I still share that. Um, and like travel tips, but as far as the Amazon and business stuff, I wasn't having as much fun right. sharing that stuff anymore because the travel people are more the people like I really love connecting with. Yeah, that's that. And also, too, but like travel is like that free open mindedness. Mm -hmm. Like I really love that part of it. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think that's, that's a good decision because if you are, you know, enjoying something, if you're having fun doing something, I think, you know, naturally you just feel more inclined to share that. And I think with the traction that you're already seeing on social media, it just gives you more validation to keep doing, you know, that, you know, that you've been doing. So uh, tell me about, I mean, how do you tell your story now? Because I mean, like you say, you're two months behind. Do you Did you journal while you were there? How did you keep track of, you know, little details of your day to day so, while you were traveling? Like I took a lot of videos. So like all those details are there, photos and videos. Like from that, I still remember everything. Okay. I also have a journal, um, but like I have probably over a hundred gigabytes of what? videos and photos <laughs> just from this two and a half month trip. But basically we started in Cape Town and we went through Cape Town, through South Africa, Lesotho, Eswatini, um, Botswana, Zambia, Zimbabwe, um, Malawi, and Tanzania. Wow. And that was all by local bus, all without flying. Took about two and a half months and we ended in Zanzibar and that's where I flew back to Europe from. Wow, that's... And just, 
every part of the experience was that incredible. is that is crazy when we uh spoke i believe about four months ago you told me you were about to go on this you know incredible trip to africa i didn't you know i don't realize you were gonna have so much fun man i mean did you did you see that come in at all i honestly really don't know didn't know what to expect because the news usually bashes like <laughs> all of africa in general right all the time but I also follow some people like I don't know if you know authentic traveling. I do, yeah. It's, it's um, currently Nigeria now because I'm from Nigeria, so I follow yeah, him a he, lot. Yeah, his following in Nigeria is, is yeah, it is it is like, massive. People love him. I do. <laughs> yeah. Like he he's the kind of guy that I look up to for the content mm. I like to make. Like I really strive to be like that kind of sharing that kind of content. Um, but yeah, so like every experience was just amazing like i didn't really know what to expect safety wise experience wise really any of it and like the entire journey i didn't have a single time except for johannesburg where i felt unsafe yeah. unwelcome like people were always so friendly like it was definitely funny once we were in like malawi and like tanzania and stuff because we were in some rural parts where foreigners mm. don't really go to so like when we're on the bus or the train, like all the little kids are pointing out and they're like, it's <laughs> like yelling at you. because like, they hadn't seen a white person before. Wow. So it's like, so, and like people taking pictures with you. Like yeah. I was in Zimbabwe, to this super remote village and like the bus driver wanted pictures with us. And we were at this one stop and there was a bunch of kids crowded around like the, the door entrance like looking at me and then they like kept bringing more and more of their friends over <laughs> here I'll just <laughs> that is insane I mean that was definitely I, I can I can relate to that because um believe it or not that was definitely me growing up because I you know obviously you know grew up in Nigeria and when we would you know see any uh people any white person you know come to town it was like wow let's get a picture with that white person that's insane like we were so <laughs> stoked to go get a picture but tell me about i mean your i mean throughout your travels there what would you say you know was your biggest uh, realization about traveling through africa what, what, what was i would say one or two or three lessons that you learned from that and what were your biggest takeaways from from your travels through Africa? I would say one interesting thing is just like patience. Mm. I mean, people are so patient. It is like I just couldn't imagine it in like another like in Europe or like in the US or something <laughs> like every bus we took, like you're sitting in the bus for like two or three hours before it fills up and actually leaves or it's like delayed or you're stopped somewhere and nobody ever says anything. No one's bothered by it. No one's like, when are we leaving? People just sit and they wait. And like, I just could not imagine that happening somewhere I know, else. Like, I know that feeling too well. That, that, like, Aaron's just be like yelling like, hey, like we're so late, like we gotta right. go. And just like, I don't know, the patience is just amazing. Um, and then another thing is just like, everyone will find something like to do like even in these little villages like there's probably not a lot like there just wasn't a lot of opportunity mm. to make money or do things but there's always something people are doing whether it's like selling selling waters to like the bus stations or like little things like making little souvenirs right. or i don't know whatever they, pe people are always hustling there and like yeah. the work ethic is super super high um people are always doing something to try and do as much as they can and then at the same time like it's just in, like i mean as with everywhere in the world there's a lot of really rich people and there's a lot of poverty mm -hmm. in each country and you really see it um throughout going across the landscapes because you go from like staying in the city in one place and then going across the the landscape in zimbabwe and it's just like so much poverty and a lot of that is because of the corruption which is mm. also always yeah pointing to see hear about yeah that's 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 quite unfortunate but i mean it's it's really good that you know you're at least you know learning so much about the world and i mean what would you say that you know traveling through this areas because i know a lot of people have done it you know they've they've had some really positive things to take away from it and I mean, I'm not, I don't know about you. Is it, have you been impacted in a way, you know, traveling to those places and seeing things, I guess, from the lens of other people um, 
who have this, you know, stark realities that is so different from what everybody else experiences day to day? Yeah, I mean, I think like, not to be like stereotypical, but I mean, I think one of the big things that you just see is just the usually the people that have the least are the most willing to give and like a lot of the times have the biggest smiles on their faces all the time Mm -hmm. and are just like, this is the situation that they are dealt. Like, I'm obviously very privileged to have grown up in the US and like had a this travel ability and like depending on the situation you're dealt like it's harder to get out of that and people are just whatever situation they're dealt they like are able to deal with it and they live a happy life about it and work hard and do whatever they can to just provide for their families and stuff yeah i think it's always very inspiring to see yeah just the attitude people have even if the cards are always dealt against them right yeah that's that's so true and you know it does i don't think there's anything you know stereotypical about it i mean even though it is stereotypical it is definitely true because that's what stereotypes are they're probably things that are true that are you know repeated over and over again uh that is that is so good to hear and you know all of these experiences you've shared just you know really deepens my belief even more about travel being you know as a tool not just for someone to go out there and uh you know oh look at me look at my daily life but it can really have some really positive impact on people and you know the outlook on life after even after they've stopped traveling or long after uh they stopped doing that so what is your plan for the future i mean you're back in germany now do you have any trips planned are you uh doing uh, going on any epic adventures anytime soon yeah so I, I do got some uh big things coming up so i am going well, i'm going from here to luxembourg belgium and iceland all pretty basic easy countries but all new countries for me. So I'm excited for that. Um, visiting some friends and then I'm actually going to Pakistan. I got what? invited to a wedding there. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. And from Pakistan, I'm actually going to be, well, I'm still waiting for my visa to get approved, but from Pakistan, I'm flying to Lebanon and I'll be going to Syria for a week. Wow. Um, but yeah, I'm still waiting for the visa for that. Yeah. So hopefully that gets a in the next week or two and then i can buy my flight um but yeah i'm really excited for that and then i'll be going back home to uh, florida where my dad lives for thanksgiving and kind of resting for a month or two in the u.s um go back to vermont for christmas and then probably i think i'm going to spend most of next year out in asia um exploring that part of the world because wow. um, i haven't really explored too much of it yet and it's just a lot cheaper cost right for, more inexpensive cost of living um and i still travel on a budget like over the last two years of like full-time traveling i've been able to do all of this on under two thousand dollars a month wow like, i've never spent more that's, than that, basically that's awesome. And obviously it can be done for way cheaper too, or more expensive. Right. Um, but I just try to show people like it's literally cheaper for me to travel full time around the world, do whatever I want than for me to even pay rent basically in the U S yeah, yeah, absolutely. Man. So like if you can make money online, there's no reason you should be in the U S is my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I'm back in the U S now and it just feels like, I feel like what 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 in the world is going on here? Because everything just feels like I am paying an arm and a leg for it. But I feel like you don't have yeah. <laughs> a lot of a lot of stories to tell over the dinner table at Thanksgiving. So um, congratulations for that. People are going to ask asking you a lot of questions, and I'm pretty sure you're excited to tell them all about it. Oh yeah, I love I love sharing all my stories, and yeah, now the U.S. is so expensive. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to going back there. It's always funny talking with everyone in the different countries when you like tell them you're from the US. They're like, oh, like I've always wanted to go there. Like I want to live there. And I'm like, I don't know if you really want to. I don't really know what it's like anymore. Yeah, I tell people the I mean, same thing. It's, it's, it's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe you go there, maybe you like it, but I'm not sure you will. I mean, given that you've been used to this kind of lifestyle all your life. I mean, I know I was pretty much disillusioned after a few years living here, so... I think that's that's the reality for most people too. Yeah. I think it's still one of the best places to start a business oh, and have the ability to make money. 
but after that if you can do that and then do it online and leave that's the best oh yeah absolutely i tell people like there is no better place to be an entrepreneur to create opportunities and you know to make a lot of money like a shit ton of money if you want to um but after that i don't think it offers any i mean much else but yeah thanks for coming on the podcast man where can people find you uh your social media i know you're doing a lot of content on instagram right now uh it's blowing up congratulations for that uh how can people get in touch with you and uh be in touch i mean just have a chat with you if they want to yeah of course thanks for having me on like i love doing podcasts and interviews and stuff so it's my favorite to share <laughs> about stories and yeah on instagram tiktok youtube it's all ben books the world um and then i even have a blog and website which is benbooktheworld.com um where i'll be actually posting basically my whole africa journey and how to do all that how to take the buses prices everything so It'll be a very informative blog. Um, but yeah, it's basically Ben Books the World on everything. Yeah, sounds good, man. I will drop the links in the show notes and description so you can go check it out. Ben Books the World. Ben Books, as in books, B-O-K-S, the world. You can find him everywhere. Uh, you can get in touch with Ben. He has some great content on Instagram and you know, very informative as well. Uh, so uh, you will find all that you need in the show notes. And thanks again, Ben, for coming. Uh, you had so much to share, such such a hardworking entrepreneur. I mean, I never knew this about you. I just knew that, you know, you had something going on Amazon. I didn't know it went, you know, goes all the way back, you know, to the warehouses and, and stuff. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so hopefully at some point in the future, I'd like to you know bring my guest maybe in like, I don't know, maybe a year, a year and a half, two years maybe. We'll talk about you know where you are at that point and you know, maybe you have some more stories to share with me. So I will uh, talk to you again yeah, then and let's, let's, let's keep in touch on social media and I will uh, keep following your stories all around the world, man. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome, man. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ben. It was so much enjoyable for me to talk to Ben through all of these things that he's been through all the things that he's did at the tender age of 22. It's super inspiring for me and I hope it was for you as well. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Nomad Entrepreneur Podcast. If you did, I want to invite you to leave a feedback wherever you get your podcast episodes from, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just scroll all the way to the bottom on Apple, tap the review button or to the very top on Spotify and tap the five stars and leave a review if you can. I really appreciate it. My goal is to make this podcast a go-to resource for data nomads and entrepreneurs and getting strategy, inspiration, and whatever it is to be able to travel the world as a free person and be able to enjoy life and to make memories and to inspire a lot of people. And your help will help us do that. Again, I want to thank you for being a part of this episode. It's the 22nd one of the Nomad Entrepreneur Podcast. I have tons of great interviews lined up in the upcoming episodes, and I hope that you will stick around for those as well. Again, my name is Daniel Falonipe, and I'm your host on the Nomad Entrepreneur Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this one, and I will see you in the next episode. Talk to you soon. Bye.